You're listening to News Talk Saga 960. Also streaming live on Saga960am.ca. Welcome back to Midday Matters. I am your friendly host, Darshan Maharaja, and I do realize that the discussion in the first half hour of this show today became a little too depressing, at least for me, because we were talking about all sorts of crime and shootings and the sociological factors, thanks to Darko and Rio, they threw in their insights as well. But uh, time to move to something more... uh, heartening, which is the jobs report. Now, uh, sometimes it may not be that heartening, but this time uh, the report that came out uh, for June, it came out in early July, was uh, fairly heartening. And uh, thankfully, because I know a little about this, but I have got an expert in studio, Pina Nicoli. Uh, is in the studio from uh, Robert Half. And of course, that uh, company being what it is and the kind of work it does, they know a lot about jobs and what uh, the trends mean. Welcome to the studio, Pina. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. Uh, great to have you here. Now, I'm looking at this report and a uh, couple of things that, uh, you know, I have never understood and maybe you can help me understand. One is this uh, seasonally adjusted job loss numbers or unemployment rate, whatever it is. So how do these uh, adjustments um, get made? Well, what they do is uh, they survey organizations. So this particular uh, report is um, a report that's put out by Statistics Canada Mm -hmm. on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. And they do a labor force survey of um, employers across the country um, and ask them to report in on things like hiring. And then from that, they will extrapolate unemployment rates and Mm -hmm. changes in the marketplace. Right. Now, the report says that 2,200 jobs removed in June. Right. So part of the report, they'd be asking uh, businesses if they Mm -hmm. eliminated any jobs. Right. And so that number would refer to any jobs that would be eliminated. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they're also asking about uh, hiring. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the number that I think is uh, heartening uh, (laughs) because it shows that we had uh, three hundred and seventy over 377,000 hires um, in the month of June. 377,000 hires in the one month. Right. Across Canada. That's more than 10,000 a day. Yeah, that's more than heartening. Yes. Now, is this a sustainable trend? Well, I think some of the trends that we're seeing in the marketplace um, across the board Mm -hmm. um, is that uh, businesses are certainly um, having a harder time hiring Mm -hmm. uh, because um, demand is on the rise. And Mm -hmm. certainly in Canada, we know we have uh, some limitations in terms of our population. Right. So it is harder to find, uh, especially skilled talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's some of the feedback that we've received when we've done our own surveys at mm-hmm. Robert Half, mm-hmm. um, asking employers about their outlook. Mm-hmm. They are saying it's more challenging for them to find um uh, people that have qualifications for their jobs, mm-hmm. especially in the technology sector. Right. So is that having any effect on the uh, remuneration? Because if it's harder to find someone, you have to entice them with higher pay. Yes, absolutely. So some of the trends that we're seeing in the marketplace is um, the rise of competitive offers. So if somebody Mm -hmm. is in the job market, there's Mm -hmm. a likelihood that they may have more than one offer Mm -hmm. for a job. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, an increase in counter offers. So if you you go to your employer and say, I have a better job, Mm -hmm. they might say to you, what can I do to get Mm -hmm. you to stay? Mm -hmm. So those are things that are happening with more frequency today than Mm -hmm. ever before, Mm -hmm. um, as far as what we're seeing in the marketplace. 
And is this across the country or are there pockets? Well, I think uh, Toronto for sure is uh, being a tech hub. We're seeing mm-hmm. that trend here, um, as with Montreal, which tends to be another area that's uh, currently very competitive when it comes to technological staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did uh, read that in even in um, uh, Alberta, which recently had seen some um, challenges mm-hmm. in the employment front, right. that their numbers dropped significantly in June as far as the unemployment rate. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that things there are rebounding and getting a little bit more competitive in that marketplace as well. Well, their main driver of economy, oil and gas industry, is uh, not really out of the woods yet. So there has got to be some other right. factor for that. Yeah, but what I've heard is that that province has seen some diversification um, in their businesses. Right. So maybe making up for it in other sectors. Right. And the jobless rate, five 5.5% for the month of June. Is this uh, closer to the norm or below that? That's probably the lowest. I mean, I think I was looking at statistics going back to the mid-80s, and this mm-hmm. is the lowest that it's been in a long time. Okay. Yeah. So we're definitely um, seeing, like, I think uh, looking back, this is probably the lowest um, we saw um I think it dipped a little bit lower last year in November, mm-hmm. uh, but this is probably the lowest since then, like in, as far as as far back as I could do some research. Right now, this three hundred seventy-seven thousand jobs created in the month of June. Do we know uh, at what end of the pay spectrum they are? So, it, I mean, there's uh, variations um, mm-hmm. as far as um, uh, industry sectors. I mean, mm-hmm. some some sectors are starting to you know, maybe not be as busy as others. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think the areas that are growing, um, certainly, you know, when you look at anything that's in the technology mm-hmm. sector, right. um, growing as new businesses are coming to the Toronto market. Um, and also as companies are becoming more um, automated, mm-hmm. um, the need to hire people that have uh, familiarity with technology technology tools is increasing. Mm-hmm. Now, automation, big issue, because mm-hmm. it has such a huge impact on um, employment, positive as well as negative. Well, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up there, because I think that was one of the uh, survey questions that we put out there to uh, the labor market saying, mm-hmm. you know, are you worried about AI um, and automation impacting jobs? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the stat was 59% said they were not. Um, so I think, you know, obviously in some industry sectors, as you automate processes, mm-hmm. it will eliminate certain jobs. Right. But those processes being automated will create new job opportunities, maybe in different parts of the business. Um, mm-hmm. So it just maybe um, means that that organization will have to change the hiring profile and maybe hire more people with uh, technology background and maybe mm-hmm. less people to do manual processes. Right. They, I have an interesting anecdote to share, which is from India. Uh, back in uh, the late 80s, I would guess, maybe early 90s, when uh, there was this huge insurance company called Peerless Insurance based out of Kolkata. And of course, they had a huge union as well. And the management decided to introduce computers. Mm-hmm. By then, everything was manual. And there was a huge backlash from the labor force and the union decided to go on strike. And uh, fast forward 10 years and computers and IT was the biggest driver of jobs in India. So their fear that uh, computers would translate into lost jobs was uh, 180 degrees removed from the reality. That is because, you know, it's difficult to see, especially in the future. And... 
therefore when uh, i see automation taking place here let's say you talk about your ordinary mcdonald's where there is a screen and you order there the fear being that at some point humans won't be necessary to run that operation at all now how does one overcome this process is it by companies offering their existing employees retraining in terms of whatever new jobs that are opening up in the company well i i think that's a, a really good point because i think that is one of the things that is also a trend is that um uh businesses because of the fact that it's challenging to find talent mm-hmm. um are investing more in their existing um uh workforce right not just because obviously that'll benefit the business so if i you know teach you php mm-hmm. and then you can code mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. right then that makes you obviously a more valuable employee mm-hmm. but it also is a retention strategy because right. the fact that i'm prepared to invest in you may keep you loyal to that company for an additional year or two mm-hmm. saying why would i go somewhere else where i could just stay here and they'll teach me new things right. um interestingly enough i think uh, uh the it sector is probably one of the areas where people move around the most mm-hmm. i think i had seen a statistic saying that the average tenure in a job for an it professional is 18 months mm-hmm. Um so obviously for companies it's a retention strategy if right. you can teach people new things cuz that's usually why they move so that they can learn something new be doing mm-hmm. something challenging mm-hmm. because you know you don't want to get stale especially in um a sector that moves so quickly uh you need to to be able to keep up with all those changes it also depends on the uh, priorities that we collectively have as a society for example at some point it is uh, possible to imagine a, a situation where people once they land a job don't want to lose it and they are content to do that job for the rest of their career mm-hmm. whereas in other situations uh, the quest for self advancement Uh, pushes people to uh, seek out newer opportunities whether in the same company or elsewhere right now uh, in that context when you for example have robots taking over how does it impact on the uh, morale of the existing human workforce i that that's a great question um i, I guess it all depends on how that particular organization or business approaches the change mm-hmm. right because i think you know like uh, human nature would always be maybe to be a little bit tentative mm-hmm. when it comes to something that's new or that's unknown yes. Yes. so i i would expect that you know an, a company that has a good change management process is going to mm-hmm. roll out changes with lots of communication mm-hmm. tell people how their jobs going to be affected mm-hmm. you know maybe share with them what their plans are for each individual who might be impacted in terms of career development mm-hmm. um you know and ultimately if people are displaced mm-hmm. i guess in a job market like what we're seeing today the likelihood is is they're going to find something pretty quickly um so if the company is fair with them in terms of a good exit package mm-hmm. they might actually end up being further ahead financially mm-hmm. um if they leave one organization because their role's been eliminated but mm-hmm. then land in a new job quickly with a severance package right now there is one thing about this whole process that um, i was seriously not understood which is that um, uh, you also live in an era of uh, outsourcing mm-hmm. offshoring on top of that in a country like canada we have temporary foreign worker program you have all the new immigrants coming in upwards of 300000 a year but in terms of the workforce you can go by a ballpark number of about 100000 new entrants to the workforce every year and then uh, there is the international uh, 
mobility program. That right. is something that I learned recently, which uh, as of 2018 admitted 250,000 workers to Canada who are neither uh, immigrants nor temporary foreign workers. Then on top of that, you have uh, international students who are allowed to work uh, 20 hours a week while their uh, college is uh, uh, on. And in uh, holidays, they are uh, allowed to work full time. So th- there is a tremendous pressure on the on the supply side of the labor force that I am seeing here in Canada. How does the industry cope in terms of managing the um, the continuation of their existing workforce? Well, so I, I think you know my obviously experience is on the other side because we're mm-hmm. a recruitment firm, right? Um, and so you know we're looking at fulfillment, mm-hmm. um, and I think what we're seeing in Canada right now, at mm-hmm. least to what I can speak to as far as you know my experience in the Toronto and Montreal marketplaces, which are mm-hmm. the areas that I'm responsible for, mm-hmm. is we have a shortage when it comes to skilled talent. Um, and usually, you know, our customers, when they're coming to us asking for help, they mm-hmm. want to see, you know, a handful of people, five, six, eight, ten candidates for a job. Right. Our challenge is finding enough people to put in front of these clients so that they can make a decision to know that they've hired the best candidate in the marketplace. Um, so, you know, I've been in recruitment now for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. And when I started in the business, mm-hmm. it was the the opposite. We had more applicants than we had spots for interviews, mm-hmm. typically, right? Right. And um, so that's where I've seen the market shift, mm-hmm. where, you know, now for us as a recruitment firm, our focus and emphasis is really on finding talent, mm-hmm. uh, whereas it used to be on finding customers. Right. So the demand side being uh, flooded, with uh, entrance to the workforce in whatever category is not uh, is not necessarily impacting on your uh, ability to place qualified candidates to the right job correct and you know and it could be because of the niche sector that we're, we're talking about when we're talking about technology mm-hmm. you know um, thinking about new jobs that are being created a lot of new jobs are being created in those areas mm-hmm. um, and uh, and th- that that probably also lends itself to the supply demand challenge that you mm-hmm. that you know we're talking about here mm-hmm. but you know even if you think about that unemployment rate of 5.5 percent mm-hmm. that take doesn't even take into consideration people that are voluntarily unemployed unemployed, right? right? So, you know, maybe an in- individuals that might be off on a parental leave or somebody mm-hmm. who's taking a sabbatical and choosing not to work. Right. So that number, um, when you get that low in an unemployment statistic, mm-hmm. is near full employment mm-hmm. when you factor in people that are yes. not working by choice. Right. And they're still part of that 5.5%. Sure. And uh, it's just that they presently don't want to work. They've got something else Correct. that is their priority. Yeah. All right. Now, entering the workforce uh, is challenging for different kinds of people in different ways. Uh, if you are looking at a, a recent grad, mm-hmm. uh, let's say in the IT or some kind of STEM field, what would your advice be to uh, such a candidate? So typically the advice that I'm giving to people that are new um, to the workforce, especially mm-hmm. new grads, mm-hmm. um, is trying to do whatever they can to help put something on their resume mm-hmm. that gives them some experience and, um, you know, makes them, sets them apart from from other candidates, right? right. Um, so, you know, whether it's volunteerism, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's 
projects and initiatives that they work on through school, whether it's co-op, mm-hmm. like something that's going to give them a little bit of a leg up mm-hmm. um, when they're applying for that first job mm-hmm. um, is you know, typically what I would encourage people to do. Um, so in technology, I mean, there's lots of opportunities to, you know, develop um, maybe, you know, a, an app for, mm-hmm. for a, a friend or for a family business right. or to do, you know, something where a hackathon where you can go and you can volunteer your time to help right. a not-profit, not-for-profit organization mm-hmm. develop a program. Mm-hmm. So there are opportunities to showcase your, your skills mm-hmm. um, in a non-traditional work way that'll mm-hmm. help you build your resume mm-hmm. um, and give you an advantage when you're um, going to market for the first job. Right. You know, you mentioned uh, hackathon, and that is, that is something that, as an old-timer, I have found very um, very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for the first time, probably, we have a situation where people are employed for their ability to destroy a product by the maker of the product. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I understand Hackathon to be, which is uh, an attempt to hack into a software which, you know, the designers of the product may have uh, not realized the weakness was there and it's left up to someone else to find that weakness so that it can be plugged. So, um, uh, I guess in terms of the logistics of Hackathon, Mm -hmm. typically what it is, is it's an event Mm -hmm. where developers come together Mm -hmm. to build programs. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like a think tank where you put together a team of people, you tell them what the product is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are looking at an existing tool and dismantling that tool so that they could um, put it together for a different application Mm -hmm. or for a different use. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sometimes they are creating um, from the ground up. Right. Um, And uh, really it's the, the idea of the hackathon is that it's something that's happening um, in a short period of time mm-hmm. and typically with teams that are put together mm-hmm. where people haven't worked with each other before. So right. lots of creativity and <laughs> lots of energy. That's, you know, that's the crux of it because I see technology as inherently enabling. Mm-hmm. And uh, the state of information technology specifically as it is now, it enables cooperation between people or among people who previously wouldn't have been able to work together. They could be anywhere. One person could be sitting here in Toronto, another is in in Winnipeg, and the third one could be outside of uh, Canada as well. And they are able to collaborate. So, uh, you know, there is greater chance for creative ideas to move forward just because you are sourcing it from uh, diverse sources, Mm -hmm. uh, geographically as well as in every other way diverse. So that, uh, how do you see that playing out in the Canadian economy in the job market going forward? Well, I think what we're seeing is we are seeing the geography expanding, mm-hmm. right? So, like, I guess some of the trends that I can talk to is, you know, the idea of um, remote workers, mm-hmm. right? So people are not physically required to be sitting in the same office to be work colleagues. Right. Um, you know, I have we have clients that are build whole teams mm-hmm. that work remotely. They don't actually even have a physical space. A in, brick and mortar space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, right. you know, people work from home or mm-hmm. people are working from hoteling um, stations and, mm-hmm. you know, work share spaces, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, that makes things, I guess, you know, more interesting when mm-hmm. you can be, Working with somebody who's sitting in another country or across, right. or you know, you know, like in 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 the you know on the Pacific Coast, and you're here in Toronto, yeah. so that does make things more interesting. Mm-hmm. But then I also are we're seeing like the the boundaries, sort of like international boundaries, moving as well, where mm-hmm. 
businesses and organizations are more open to looking for talent outside mm-hmm. of you know the, their country of origin mm-hmm. um, and because they recognize that you may need to import people for critical roles right. from outside of Canada, right. um, especially some of the emerging uh, areas where, you know, we may not necessarily be as advanced mm-hmm. as some other countries. Right. Or certain facilities that may not necessarily exist here, for example, and this is just a random example. If a pharmaceutical company is uh, trying to do clinical research, which has advanced to the stage of testing on humans, mm-hmm. then you may not necessarily have the target population here for that particular disease and therefore for that particular drug. So you may have to outsource it to some other country where it's more possible. Correct. Yeah. Or even, you know, looking at uh, innovative ways to do things. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think about... Um, you know, a, a call center or a help desk that needs mm-hmm. to be available 24-7. Right. Well, there's a lot of challenges that go along with um, trying to staff um, some uh, 24-7 operation right. in one time zone because you have to ask people to work. Yes, overnight. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Right. So some businesses say, well, maybe it's smarter for us to have three different locations mm-hmm. so that, you know, we've got people working always during the day, right. more attractive work. Right. Um, and does it matter if the call is being taken on the uh, in, you know, Asia or in Europe or mm-hmm. in or in Toronto? Right. As long as the customers are getting solutioned right. um, and it's more attractive for us for hiring, mm-hmm. that, that makes good business sense. Right. And you talked about uh, the ability to, let's say, work from home. Now, even where there are businesses who have uh, brick and mortar office, the flexibility to work from home would add to the uh, positive work-life balance of the people Absolutely. that work there. Yeah, especially in Toronto where you could be on the road for an hour and a half to get to work, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I think that is the way out of our infrastructure problems, which is to reduce the demand for that infrastructure by using technology. Now, if we are to do that, someone has to create that platform where people are able to work from home because there would be all sorts of security requirements as well. So maybe you need a VPN. It doesn't work on the open internet. Right. So that's another job opportunity for you. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, and that also then lends to businesses uh, investing more in things like cloud security, right? Mm-hmm. Because you got to make sure that the yes. information is safe. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, in different ways, I guess, to be able to communicate, whether mm-hmm. it's using tools like Skype or, mm-hmm. you know, other ways for people to be able to, you know, instant message each other so that right. you can continue to keep the flow of mm-hmm. of, uh, of the work going. Mm-hmm. So it definitely has changed the dynamics of, of, how, of how you would interact or do business on a daily basis. You're not just getting up from your seat and walking over to speak to your colleague anymore. <laughs> right. Well, it's good going to be a brave new world. Every day it uh, becomes a little bit braver. And yeah, and we have to embrace it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to the studio today, Nina. It was my pleasure. Most interesting and most informative session. I hope you liked it, folks, and uh, we'll continue our different conversation on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to News Talk Saga 960. Also streaming live on Saga960am.ca.